The reading is taken from Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars for ever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven. And I heard him swear by him who, who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times and half a time, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, My Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the day, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Well, thanks for tuning in uh, for this last talk in our Daniel series. I realise it's slightly odd because it's not part of a church service, but with everything going on with Christmas, we didn't want everyone to miss the last chapter of Daniel. So here's a talk on that today, and I hope you find it interesting and useful. Before we get into the chapter, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, so much for this, your word, and we pray you would open it up to us and speak to us and help us see Jesus more clearly, we pray. In his name. Amen. Uh, many things I've learned since having children. One of them is this, that children have no sense of what's appropriate for the length of time we've got. So now you say to them, we have to go in five minutes. And they say, great, let's play Monopoly or something like that. They've got no sense. You can't, they can't make good decisions because they've no sense of time being limited. Well, as we get to Daniel chapter 12, that's what Daniel 12 is teaching us. The call of the book is to be wise, to make good decisions. And Daniel defines that for us. But Daniel 12 says you'll only do that if you have the sense 
that the time you've got is limited. Now remember where we are in Daniel, right at the end actually. So we the first six chapters were the stories of Daniel and his friends living on the front line, transplanted into an alien environment and living for God there in this evil empire. Daniel 1 to 6 is their story. Daniel 7 onwards is a series of visions that God gives Daniel to say, okay, this is what's going on with you. Here's the spiritual view of what's happening in the world. So to you, it looks like you're a few small people standing for what's right. The spiritual view of what's happening in the world is there's always evil empires that will rise, that will treat people badly, that will behave like animals. They'll come and go. And within that, God is through his peoples fighting a spiritual battle. And then Daniel 10 to 12, which we're at the end of now, is an extended vision. The first bit of which is Daniel feeling so terrified that he needs God to reach into his life and help him face what's ahead. Daniel 11 talks about how there will be a series of leaders who hate God's people, but you still shouldn't give in to them. And Daniel 12 is about saying, the time that that all will go on is limited. And Daniel 12, verse 13, the last verse of the book, says this to Daniel, as for you, go your way till the end, you will rest, and then you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. And if you want to know what all of this weird stuff has to do with us, it's that. It's to say all of this is here to help us do what we've got to do, know that when we die we will rest with Jesus and when he comes back we'll rise again and receive our inheritance. All of this is to help us do that and all of this is to help us do that. So Daniel's told in Daniel chapter 12 to roll up the scroll until the time of the end. When we were looking at this as a staff team someone said well why do we have it to read then? Because the world hasn't ended yet. Uh, isn't it to read in heaven when Jesus has come back? But the end times in the Bible always describe the bit of time between Jesus' uh, first coming, him being born and dying, coming back to life, and when he returns. So Daniel's scroll is for now. And it is for now, isn't it? Because chapter 11 was weird, but it was useful. It was all in the future for Daniel, it's all in the past for us, but it helped us look at the world we live in. It showed us that God knew our world would be marred by a human lust for power and that we should look to him in that. And so chapter 12 speaks to time frame, speaks to unlike little children who think they've got endless time so they make bad decisions, saying to us time is limited. You don't have forever to sit round and orientate your life around things that don't matter. That would be a waste. Time is limited. So go on your way. You will rest. You will rise. Your job is to do your job, knowing that in the future you'll rest and in the end, God will raise you to receive an inheritance. Now, maybe you're watching today and you're not a Christian. Thank you for tuning in. You may find this a crazy set of promises, but bear with us and th see if you think it makes sense. One thing I will say about Christians is we do have a different view of history to most of the world around us. Most of the world around us just views history as a circle. 
we just keep repeating the same mistakes. Or they view it as an upward line, that is, we're constantly getting better and better and better, we're progressing. The Christian view of history is that it has a beginning and an end, and the fact that that is limited has implications for how we live. So, verses 1 to 4, wisdom is for crazy times. Here's a picture of some mountains. We're going to come back to it in a minute. But if you've ever climbed a mountain, you'll see that this mountain in front of us has two sort of ridges, a low one and a high one. If you've ever climbed a mountain, you'll realise that feeling of thinking, when we get to that low ridge, we'll nearly be at the high ridge. But then you get to the low ridge and you realise the high one is actually quite a lot further on than you thought, even though from the bottom of the mountain they both look like part of the same mountain. Well, that's kind of what's happening here with Daniel's view of time. Daniel looks to the future and he just sees the future. Daniel 11 is the low ridge, Daniel 12 is the big ridge. It all looks like the future to him. But we live in between the ridges. Between Daniel 11 and Daniel 12. Daniel 11 talks about the history following Daniel's own life. Daniel 12 moves to the final future the huge final battle between God's allies and his enemies. That terrible day of judgment and that final battle, Daniel says, even the worst wars of the world won't compare to that day. But did you notice in the reading that everyone whose name is written in the book of life will be saved, in the book will be saved? Those who sleep in the earth will awake and be judged. Now Jesus later will have much more to say about that. He says it's him, Jesus, doing the judging. And the book of Revelation has lots more to say about this, this great judgment at the end of time when everyone, even those who already died, will face God. The interesting thing all of those views of the future agree on, including Daniel, is that God in the judgment is not weighing up anybody's good deeds. He doesn't check that. It's whether your name is in the book. Are you known by God? Will be the question when the earth is judged. And so he rolls up the words of the scroll until the times of the end. And now we have it. Because the time we live between Jesus' first and second comings are the end times. So it's us, it's the church of Jesus that need the message of Daniel that will exist until he returns. And the message of chapter 12 is one final battle will take place. Everyone will rise and be judged, some to eternal life and some to eternal shame. And the difference will be, was your name in the book? Now, we might not read Daniel's scroll and say, you know, thanks for passing on your scroll, Daniel. It was kind of you to keep it for us. But did you know a lot has happened since you sealed up your scroll? Jesus has actually come along and explained all of this to us. He said, it's by believing in him you get everlasting life. That's how your name ends up in the book. That's why we're doing what we're doing, Daniel, telling people to trust in Jesus. Yet the man in the linen robe, the angel of the Lord in this passage, 
thought Daniel needed to roll up this message and keep it for us now. Why? What does it add to what we know from Jesus? Well, it adds a different picture. When the battle is over, Daniel said, when God's victory is shining and glory and bringing light, when all of that is over, who does Daniel say will be there with God shining in the sky? It's the wise. These verses from Daniel 12. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. When that final victory is won, when time is over, what will shine? Wisdom. People who have led others in righteousness. So let's be clear, we agree with Jesus. If you trust in him, you will rise to eternal life. It's simply by asking him today to forgive you that your name is written in the book of life. But Daniel says, long before Jesus came, God had a plan for after that, what would really shine out in this new creation? What is it in this world that will travel with us to shine and bring glory in that new world? Wisdom. Now we said last week, wisdom is sometimes used in the Bible, uh, sometimes used by Christians, especially British Christians, to mean being sensible. The wise person keeps their head down and makes sure they don't get into trouble. That is not what the book of Daniel means by wisdom. Wisdom means adapting yourself to the truth, no matter what the cost. So Daniel knew the truth, the only truth, always the truth, even though he couldn't see it right in front of him, it was always true that God is in charge and you should obey him, even though his circumstances didn't seem to say that. And so the call was to live according to that invisible truth. And he did. He insisted on that being the keynote of his life, no matter what. It's a bit like what we've been asked to do, actually, over the last 10 months. The virus is invisible. And unless you work in a hospital, even the effects of it are mostly invisible. But the thing we've been told is you need to adapt your life to the truth you can't see. That would be wise. Adapt yourself to reality even when you can't see it. And that is what Daniel has done from the first chapter of this book where a real disaster is unfolding. But we, the readers, are told that God is in charge. Daniel believes that and says it is always wise, right to do what reflects God, even if that doesn't look sensible, it's still wise. And so Daniel has done some pretty weird things to us. He's gone into the heart of this evil empire and brought blessing to people in the worst of places. People that hated him and hated his people, he's worked hard to bring blessing to them. He's deliberately chosen to stick out and look different, even when that might get him into trouble. He's not even done that, so right, oh well, I believe in God, so I have to obey him in this way. He's chosen to draw lines that will make him look different. That's not what sensible people would tell you to do, is it? They would say it's sensible to treat people who hate you badly, just forget them, oh, and don't cause a fuss by sticking your head above the parapet. That's sensible, but Daniel is wise. 
wise people work hard to bring good to society that hates them and everything they stand for and chooses to look different so it's clear they obey God. And another shorthand for wisdom in Daniel 12 is leading other people to righteousness. That's been Daniel's story too, hasn't it? He's risked his life on several occasions, not sensible, but wise, and managed to influence a whole empire towards good. Note he didn't set out to change the empire. He didn't think, yeah, and Daniel, I can change the world. He simply lived with God in charge every step of the way, and it happened that he led others to righteousness. Now, many of us will actually have, in a less extreme way, both of Daniel's experiences. If you make a choice to be different because you think it's the right way to honour God, to not do what you're told because you think it's wrong, you'll have the Daniel experience of bringing rejection and hatred on yourself. But also there will be wisdom that people see and appreciate and understand and maybe even be pointed to by what you do. You'll pass on a good way of living. A minister friend of mine recently was telling me about some friends of his um, who are very trendy left-wing Guardian reading friends um, who are very successful in their careers and he always feels a bit intimidated being with them like they'll think he's stupid for making the decision to not have much money and work in a church and all that stuff. And in fact one night they were having dinner and one of the friends said to him, oh we were talking about you the other day and he was like, oh no, what was it? And he said, we decided you're the only person we know whose job actually reflects the things they really think are important. You've actually chosen what to do with your job based on the things you actually think really matter. Now they had a great chat about how living with integrity, working for something you think is important, is a good way to live. More than that, he was able to say, it's not just any old thing I've chosen, it's that I find Jesus very compelling. Do you see, his wisdom, his decision to live with God in charge of his life, had led others to righteousness, at the very least thinking about integrity, at the most thinking about Jesus. Now you might find all of this a strange discussion because many Christians really believe we don't take anything with us from this world into the next. You trust in Jesus and it's like fire insurance will get you out of hell and this life is sort of a write-off because the world's such a mess. But here's the surprise of Daniel 12. There are things you can do now in this mad world that will last forever. Now that's an astonishing claim by itself. We who are made of dust that we should shine it all in God's eternal creation. But notice what it is that will shine then. It's living with God in charge, working to bring blessing and good to the worst and most hopeless seeming places, getting it in the neck for doing that, but sticking your head up for what's right, particularly sticking your head above the parapet to talk about Jesus, choosing to stand out as a Christian, that leads others to righteousness now, and that will shine for eternity. You can take that with you. It's worth thinking about, isn't it? 
there's plenty we're living for now that you can't take with you. Maybe you long and your whole life is about finding a partner and settling down and get married. That is a good gift if you receive it, but a mistake to centre your life around that because you can't take it with you. You can't take a great holiday with you. You can't take a career. You can't take people's respect. You can't take wisdom. Victories for the kingdom. You can take other people. They can be led there by you. You know, I guess on that day when Jesus returns, I won't be really noticing if any of you are shining. No offence to you, it's because I'll be looking at Jesus. He's the one who'll really shine. But isn't that because he's exactly like this? This type of wisdom is him. All of the glory that we see sort of in microcosm in his earthly life. Him quietly, gently bringing blessing to the worst places. Leading others to righteousness. Facing down people who hated God at his own cost. He will eternally shine. Because that's what he's like. The most beautiful, wise person. The bright and morning star. The shiniest, most beautiful, entrancing centre of that new creation will be Jesus. But how great on that day to even be shining a little bit like him. When all is said and done, and history is over, and good has triumphed over evil, and Jesus is recognised as glorious, how could not to just have made it there, but to have been wise while we were here? To always have lived for that eternal kingdom. To have brought others with us. The call to wisdom throughout Daniel has been to be wise because it's right to always honour God first. But here's a call to wisdom to honour God first because it's lasting and it's the only thing that's lasting. One of the things I've loved thinking about at Christmas this year is I love the way that when Jesus is born, he gathers round him wise people. But they're not celebrities, famous or well thought of. And they're not religious. They're not moral or good. But they're wise. Because they honour him first. And I think there'll be all sorts of surprising people shining brightest in that new creation because they lived each day with God in charge, not with the people who claimed to be in charge, and they were excluded and pushed about and crushed for their faith. So nobody here recognised them except to sweep them out of the way. But there, those poor, weak of the world will be honoured and will shine. They were never on Instagram, but they gave up things they could have had because they had true wisdom, and that will shine forever. We're about to end a very strange year and go into the next one. And the start of the year is a time that we can make choices. And I want to encourage you to make wise choices, choices to live for what actually carries on forever. The truth is that God is there and he's in charge. Adapt your behaviour to that reality, no matter what's going on around you.
Here's the second thing we see in Daniel 12. It's a limited time, so be wise now. I love what happens next. You may have forgotten that this Jesus-like figure is floating above the river Tigris, revealing all of this to Daniel. And two people, I assume they're angels, are listening to all of this. And they're like, "Mm, God, could you just give us a bit of a time frame in all of this? And Jesus just swears solemnly with two hands that it will be times time and half a time. I think all that means is he swears it will be a particular length of time, but we don't know how long that will be. It's a way of saying Jesus says this world won't go on forever. We'll go through times when the holy people appear to be totally powerless. But God has sworn that these times will end. Well, Daniel would like a bit more info. He doesn't get it. He says, excuse me, but when actually will it be? And Jesus says, what you need to know is that there'll always be wicked people. There'll always be wise people and you go on your way. He gives these numbers of days, and nobody's really sure of the significance of those, except to say again, the days between Jesus, ret- Jesus leaving and coming back are counted, and they're limited. All of that looks very strange, but it makes sense. It's just Jesus saying to Daniel, there's a choice for you to make, and there's a time limit. It says you can choose to live the right way, and you have a limited time to make that choice. Just say there is no choice, we just had a limited time. This is the way some Christians live. Jesus is coming back in the end, I may as well just do what I like in the meantime. God will do what he will do. Well, it says in here that if you just fall into wickedness, you understand less and less about the world. You get less wise, less able to do good, less bring blessing. It says if you don't choose to do what's right in this limited time, your understanding of how to bring blessing and do what's right will will go. I remember talking to someone once who'd been making a series of immoral choices secretly that finished up with a very serious immoral choice. And I said to that person, oh come on, you know that hurting these all these people is wrong. And they said to me, I'm not sure what I know anymore. I was speaking to someone recently who said, through this lockdown time, I really wanted to give up on church and give up on loving other Christian. Um, And I'm not sure I want to be a Christian anymore. As we dug deeper, they had been making a series of choices against God and so became confused. Is it really worth following him? The choice is yours to make now. Will you trust God and live wisely and therefore know right from wrong and learn and grow and understand God's world? It won't just happen. You choose. There have been lots we can't control in 2020. But in 2021, there'll be lots that takes us by surprise as well. We can't choose what will happen, but we can choose how to react. To do what you feel like will be a mistake to choose to react wisely, that would be the right thing to do. And God's also saying to Daniel, there's a time limit. You know, when you, uh, you don't really bother trying to be wise, if you think it's going to go on forever. You know, if life is just going to go on and on and on, why make good decisions? Just do what you like. This year has taught us, if anything, that life is fragile. It can be over much sooner than we think. 
But for Christians, that's always true. This world isn't going to go on forever. You know, even if you do something really big in your life and a statue's made of you and a plaque is put up about you, this world is going to pass away. So even that doesn't really mean anything. Time is limited. So make a good choice, a wise choice, a choice that put God's first. Distinctive for Jesus and lead others to righteousness that will shine for eternity. Choose that because time is limited. I'm going to give some examples now of how I think people don't take that seriously, but they are just examples. Um, so I don't want anyone to think I'm trying to run their lives, but people are always saying I need help in really making, do, making this practical. Here's some of the ways I see people act as if time is not limited in this world. I see people basically saying, well, I'm not that happy in this church. I would feel more comfortable in that church. And I just think moving church is going to mean like resetting everything and trying to make new Christian friends again and people getting to know you so they can encourage you. And why choose that? There's a limited amount of time here. Choose relationships and things that will help you and last, that will last, because we don't have that much time. Similar people who sort of on a whim decide to move where they live. I don't get it. So I just really got sick of living here and so I decided I wanted to live there. There's, there's just so little time to do the valuable things that God wants. Is it really worth going somewhere new and starting again and trying to make new Christian friends and trying to meet new people who aren't Christians, is it really worth that? It would be if we had limited, limitless time, but we don't. There is a limited amount of time before God remakes everything. And so we need to make decisions that will shine for eternity. Wise decisions. Don't waste time and behave as if time isn't limited, because it is. We're like children playing Monopoly. God says there's only a limited time to do good and wise things in this world. And we're like, great, let's get Monopoly out. So in 2021, Daniel, the whole book, is calling us to be wise. It says you need to live for God's rule, not that of other people. You need to stick your head above the parapet to choose to be distinctive. You need to bring blessing to people who hate what you stand for. Your priority is not living where you like or having a fulfilling job. It's leading others to righteousness because the clock is ticking. We don't have forever. Let's use the time we've got for what matters to God. And that's, of course, what Daniel gets told in the end. He says, go your way. Get on with your job now. You will rest. Your life isn't going to go on forever. But there is an inheritance to be had when you rise. Don't you want that? Well, invest your life now in what matters. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, so much that you give us insight into the world and what's really going on in the world. We praise you for that. We thank you for Jesus. We pray you'll help him, us live under his rule and bring others under his rule. Please give us all the help we need. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in.